Today, I have three good news stories to share with you. You know, sometimes I have to bring serious, heavy news of injustice and so many things that are in our problematic world. But today, I have three different bits of good news to share with you. First and foremost, it appears that Trump is about to be impeached. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. Today is impeachment day. I am right now looking at Twitter. Uh, The number one trending topic on Twitter is impeachment day. Number two is Merry Impeachmas. (laughs) I I don't know where people come up with this, but it is as much as I laugh and call it good news. It's a serious matter. I do think without any hesitation, uh, I do think that Trump should be impeached for what he did with Ukraine, attempting to basically force their president to announce that he was investigating Hunter and Joe Biden, trying to basically sully the reputation of his political rivals and using foreign aid to do so for months on end. The Trump administration held foreign aid that had already been approved and voted on by a bipartisan group in Congress. And so today, Trump is going to be held accountable for it. And this is hard for Trump because for his entire life, he's hardly ever been held accountable for anything. And even when he is held accountable, you may remember Uh, Just days before he took office, he was forced to pay out a $25 million settlement for defrauding people in Trump University. That's our president, your president. Also, uh, just a few months ago, uh, the Trump Foundation was basically forced to shut down for fraud and pay out millions of dollars for people that they had defrauded. And basically, the state of New York found that it was hardly charitable that they were saying they were doing things with their donor dollars that they weren't actually doing. And so even in these moments where he is, I had to put parentheses around it, held accountable, there are very few uh, public consequences for him. And in so many ways, he's, you know, what we call Teflon Don, where No matter what you throw at him, it just kind of slides off, even when he has to pay a fee or is held accountable. I've said this many times before. I think Trump was very much in tune with that reality when he said now, I think nearly four years ago, that, hey, I could go out on Fifth Avenue. And if, if you're not from New York, you know he lives right off of Fifth Avenue and Trump Tower. Hey, I could go on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and my supporters would still be with me. I think he he knew that to be true back then. And I actually think it is true. I think that people in his party don't care about the corruption. They don't care about the lack of humanity, ripping children away from their parents. They don't care about any of the problematic things that he has done, that he continues to do. They're in his corner, and I think he has a a high floor, if you will, of probably about 
35 to 40 percent of the voters who just they're not going to bail no matter what, period. Never. They're they're stuck there. They're going to stay there. And today, um, the House of Representatives in probably just a few hours is going to vote to impeach Donald Trump. And in many ways, I think this impeachment, which I believe was absolutely necessary for the historic record, uh, for precedent, that if you are corrupt, if you abuse your power as president, the House of Representatives can and will impeach you. He'll be just the third president of the United States to be impeached is something that will follow him for the rest of his days. And I'm glad about that. But I think kind of like the settlement with Trump University, the the issue with his foundation, that he'll live to be president another day. And, you know, I, I, I've said it many times. I think this impeachment should have happened whether or not the Senate ever removes him from office. And, um, you know, it doesn't appear, you know, likely at all that they will. In fact, it appears that the Senate really is not even going to have an earnest trial. Um, After a president is impeached, it's supposed to go to the Senate for trial. And Mitch McConnell, uh, who is Senate Majority Leader, has openly said, which actually violates his oath because the oath regarding impeachment says that he will be fair and impartial. He has openly said that he is um, uh, working on his strategy with the Trump White House and just flat out said it. He openly said he won't be fair, that it will be quick and uh, that they're not going to hold him accountable for anything. And as we know, they don't want a trial. Certainly Trump doesn't want to testify and most of his administration doesn't want to testify because they know they have two choices to be honest and implicate themselves and Trump in criminality and corruption or be dishonest and commit perjury. Those are the two choices. That's the only way that can go. So good news. Number one is Trump will be impeached today. It's a it's a sober matter, but it's good that Democrats have the power to do so. I wish Democrats had a strong majority in the Senate to remove him from office, but we're not there yet. So let me tell you about the next good news story. Break it down. Three days ago here on the podcast, I told you about that horrible story in Vance County, North Carolina, the 11-year-old boy who was brutally and horribly assaulted by a police officer there. Yesterday, I was able to share, and I, I say good news, it's, it's a form of justice. I was able to share the news yesterday that that officer was fired. And I say good news because I am completely confident that had we not weighed in here on the podcast and all over social media on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and elsewhere, I'm not sure that that officer would have ever been fired. He had been placed on paid leave until we weighed in. And so once we weighed in that day, he was fired the day we began our campaign. And yesterday he was finally, um, as we had also demanded, charged with the criminal abuse of a child. And the charge is not nearly as strong as I wish it was. 
And again, I, you don't have to tell me this. I know it. I've worked hundreds of cases. A charge is not a conviction, but he will be convicted and he will likely plead guilty to it. It would be ridiculous for him not to. But it's a misdemeanor charge and misdemeanors can be serious. I don't, I don't want to have overkill here. He could spend up to 90 days in jail. Uh, it's something that should remain on his record. And it's highly unlikely that he would ever be any type of law enforcement officer again. So I'm glad they fired him. I'm glad he was charged. It's not all that we hoped for, but it's a start. And yet it doesn't feel sweet because a child was literally knocked unconscious by this officer. And him being fired and charged doesn't take that away. And I say that because it's always hard for me to celebrate over this type of justice. What we actually want is for the police brutality to end. What we want is for our children and our loved ones to stop being harmed, to stop being abused, to stop being killed by law enforcement. And yet it continues. And in many ways, it's as bad now as it's ever been. So we're glad that this officer, his name is Warren Durham, Warren Durham. We're glad that he was held responsible for his crime. We are now understanding that this 11-year-old boy is not the only child that he abused there in the school. And so I have questions. How long did the school know that he was brutal? What were they actually doing about it? I, I see now images of a 13-year-old girl that he apparently threw up against a locker that same day. And what was the school doing about this? And will he be charged in that? Lots of questions, but at least we have progress. And it gets to the root of why we ever started this podcast. We didn't start the podcast just to change the news. We started this podcast to change the world. So thank you all for making those phone calls, sending those emails, and calling for justice. All right, I have one last bit of good news, and then we'll close for the day. Break it down. As you may know, I was born and raised in Kentucky, Versailles, Kentucky, which is like the town from France, but we're country, so we don't say Versailles. We say Versailles because of our country we are. Um, yeah, born and raised there. And uh, the state actually caused me a great deal of pain as a child. And uh, the same is true for so many of my friends and family. And my mother recently moved out of Kentucky, and I now have very little reason to go back. And uh, I have still a number of dear friends and, and other family members who live there. But Kentucky has always been deeply, deeply problematic on voting rights and was one of the worst probably three states in the country out of all 50 states on voting rights for men and women who had served their time in prison. And Kentucky was basically uh, imposing a lifetime ban that once you'd committed a crime and served your time and got out of jail, they just made sure you never voted again. And the previous governor there had made sure that nothing changed with that. And thankfully, 
people all over the state of Kentucky voted in Andy Bashir as the new Democratic governor. And one of the things he pledged to do on his first day in office was by executive order to grant back the voting rights to what amounts to about 50% or so of all Kentuckians who had lost those voting rights. He gave back the voting rights of everybody who served their time except for people who had committed any type of violent crimes. And for me, uh, it should be the way it is in all 50, almost all 50 states, rather, is that when you serve your time, you are restored back to being a full citizen. And I, again, I have to put air quotes around a full citizen because we know this country makes it hard for people who are released from jail or prison no matter what. But what we see is something problematic where all over the place when it comes to restoring the rights of the formerly incarcerated, we see that there always has to be an asterisk next to it because they are not restoring them to people who committed so-called violent crimes. And and I have to say so-called because sometimes people who are convicted for violent crimes, it's not normally what you think. And uh, I'll try to unpack this on another episode But if you served your time, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years in prison, and you get out, you should be a full citizen. You just did the the price. You just paid the price for the crime. And normally the truth is you paid a mega price, a super price. And so when you get out, it's actually best for everybody. It's safer for everybody that you be restored to being a full citizen. When society makes men and women who are released from jail or prison, makes them out to be second-class citizens, it, it causes a number of problems, which often leads to them being back in prison and communities being less safe. We need them to be fully restored and um, I know that may not be easy for everybody, but we don't have the right to make people continue to pay for crimes where they've already paid the price. And so thank you to Kentucky Democratic Governor Andy Bashir for restoring the voting rights to 140,000 Kentuckians. I'm proud of him and proud of everybody who fought so hard to make that happen. Break it down.